You know, the Bible says not to be weary in well-doing, but it's not hard to become weary. We look at the modern news. We look at um, the things that should be that are not. The Bible said in the last days, I remember back in the 70s, my pastor preaching that in the last days they'll call good evil and evil good. I could never, ever have imagined in my life, I could never have imagined where society would, be, would come to. Uh, it was just not anything I could have thought of. But you see, the devil is working because he knows his time is short. He knows that what he has to do, he's, 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 he's given it all that he has right now. He's corrupted the minds of men to, to think evil continually. But I want you to know that we have a Savior in heaven. I really felt this morning that I really wanted to talk about him, his personality, and who he is. I mean, we need to know who God is. On our Friday nights, we've been using uh, A.W. Toja's book on knowing the holy. And the thing that we need to understand and realize is that do we know him? I really think that today it is not being affiliated with an organization. It's not being affiliated that is going to get you to heaven. It's knowing him. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he's able. We need to fall in love with Jesus. And you can't fall in, somebody, fall in love with somebody that you don't know. And we need to seek him. And the only way that we can know him is through the power of the Holy Ghost. Through the power. The Bible said that Jesus said, I go that the Comforter may come. And he'll teach you all things. And he'll show you uh, what God is and who he is. And he will bear witness of me. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I want to go to the book of Isaiah and begin there. Now, we are in the season where um, we're coming to resurrection season. Uh, we know that resurrection season is always and continually. I was thinking about the brother of James and Jude, who was also uh, a brother to James, which means he was a half-brother to Jesus, as well as James was. And uh, what, what Jude said is he said, My brother James and my Lord and my Savior, Jesus. I want you to know something, that he is Lord and he is the Savior this morning. Amen. So I want to look first here at, uh, at, at Isaiah. And I want to go to, um, let me get here just for a minute thank you lord thank you jesus amen god is so good all the time in isaiah chapter 9 verse um verse 6 is this for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince 
of peace. How many know that God gives us peace that the world cannot give because the world does not possess the peace that God gives us? Amen. But in John 1 uh, and 1 and 14, it says, and in the beginning, we look at the fact that his name reveals his personality. It says here in John 1, 1 and 14, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld uh, we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth in Philippians uh, 2 5 through 8 it said let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus Deb, would you push that blue bar I got ahead of myself, and I know there's people out there that, that listen every Sunday. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And we have begun with Isaiah chapter 9, verse uh, 6. It said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be called, uh, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And the Prince of Peace. That's who he is. Uh, he is all supreme. He is the, the Lord of Lords. In John 1 and verse 1 and verse 14, he reveals, his super, uh, he reveals a supernatural baby. Not just another child, but God in human flesh. And it says here, in the beginning was the Word, the Word is with God, and the Word was God, and Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now let me stop there just for a minute. I want you to know that verse 6 only speaks of Him, not us. Uh, people get confused. Yenera, uh, good to see you. Amen. But people get confused. Uh, I want you to realize here that he said, who being in the form of God, who was that? Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But this is what he did. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know, the Lord says, be as I am. How many of that takes humility? To, to bow before the very presence of God and to realize my life is not my own. Many times I said earlier about, about uh, Livingston and how all the things he did, but at the end of his life he had great discouragement. Uh, we, we know that uh, I think of, um, of other great men. Uh, Elijah, let's look at him. He says, this is what he said. He said, uh, uh, Lord, kill me. He said, because I'm no greater than my fathers and every one of them uh, forsook you. You know, without God, we cannot do it. How many of you ever feel, Lord, am I ever going to be able to make it to heaven? <laughs> you know, uh, am I going to be able to hold on? Am I, am I going to be able to do this? I want you to know that God said, I am the author and the finisher of your faith. Isn't that wonderful? God will finish what he has begun in us if we'll be patient with him and that we will yield ourselves to the will of God. We also know, <laughs> excuse me, 
we also know as he reveals the, the, the supernatural uh, birth, uh, not a normal one, as we have just said a few minutes ago. In Matthew 1 and 21, it said, And she shall bring forth a child, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Let me know that God has a specific name. You know there's a new name written down for me in glory. Amen. Because God has specific names, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. For he shall save his people from their sin. Now all that was done that I might be uh, might be fulfilled that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted God with us you know the book of Isaiah is considered the fifth gospel I mean, the book of Isaiah was a book that was not understood by the Pharisees of the Sadducees. They didn't understand it. But what did Jesus do? At 12 years old, he's in the temple. What's he teaching? He's teaching from the book of Isaiah. You know, and when the eunuch was, was traveling, uh, what was he reading? He was reading out of the book of Isaiah. But he didn't understand, and we know last week, that Philip attached himself by the power of the Holy Ghost and by hearing the word of God. How many know that God wants us to hear his word? How many know God wants to lead us? Uh, you know, and that's the thing we need to know. I was t listening to um, a prophet, uh, uh, Z. Um, I listened to him. I, I think he's a, he's a great man of God, and, and, and he has great understanding. He says, I believe in the next three or four months, we're going to see some very turbulent times. And he said, now, I'm not here to tell you what to do. He said, it's up to the Spirit to speak to each and every one of us according to what God wants us to do. The Bible said that he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church. And we need to get our ears adjusted. I want you to know that God is speaking all the time. Amen. Danny speaks to you all the time. He speaks to each and every one of us all the time. But he's saying to us we need to, to, to discipline our ear to hear what he's saying. And, and this is what I believe in this next time. Uh, I think things are going to get worse in some ways, but I think they're going to get better for the church. I see, we see revival happening and, uh, you know, down in the universities, and they say it's, it's going from university to university, and it's hitting our young people. Those are the ones that need it the most. Because, you know, they're the ones that have been manipulated by the education system uh, that has tried to draw them into evil. I had somebody one time say to me that what about a child that is educated in the, uh, the secular uh, uh, realm? Uh, how are they going to make it? And the Lord, and I went to prayer about that, and the Lord said to me, he said, when Moses turned the water to blood, what did he do? He said he touched the tip of his staff in the water, and it turned to blood. He said, with one touch from the Father, I can erase all of the years that the cankerm hath eaten. I can restore all of that that was lost in just a moment. How many know we're, we live in a miraculous time with the Lord? We are the power. Through Jesus Christ, the church is the power. 
We can elect politicians, but politicians are not going to push back the power of Satan. It is the church that has that duty to stand in the name of Jesus, just like in Jude, when the angel said, The Lord says unto you, be moved and push back. And what we need to understand is when is the last time we spoke uh, to the adversary or, or at the, I don't want to say to, but at the adversary. Maybe in your life there are situations that, that, that are really troubling you. But we need to stand and say in the name of Jesus, you need to flee. That's what the Bible says. In the name of Jesus, Satan has to flee. So resist the devil and he'll flee from you. How did Jesus resist the devil? He said, it is written. We need to know the word of God. And the word is what makes us free. I want you to know about this Savior that I serve today. When we look at the fact that he was born of a virgin. Now, people get confused. And, 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 and the Catholic people get confused. And, and they come to the conclusion that if Jesus was born without sin, that Mary had to be immaculate, uh, you know, and, and without sin or else it would have wasted. But I want you to know something. As Adam was formed, so was Jesus. He was formed in the womb of Mary. He was formed in the womb of Mary. He was formed just like Adam was formed. The Bible said that God reached down into the dust and he raised up and he, and he formed a human being out of that. I want you to know that Jesus, his flesh, should I say, was formed the same way that Adam's flesh was formed. But yet he was Jesus, yet he was God. God in the Bible said that when he was born, the angels came to look upon him because of their curiosity. We want to look upon this Savior that has come into the world, who, is, who has uh, became flesh. Somebody asked, one, you know, recently, well, if God is a good God and a great God, why is there evil in the world? Well, there's evil in the world because God gave each human being a free will. You can't give somebody a free will and then micromanage it. You really didn't give it. So when that man gets drunk and he goes out on the interstate and he hits a family of five and, and kills them, it wasn't God that did that. It was that man. He will stand before the judgment if he doesn't ask God to forgive him. But what we have to understand in this is that man has a free will. But you know what God, Jesus said, he said that through Adam all have sinned. But he said, I've come into the world, and I want to get ahead of myself here. But he was born with a purpose. How many know that God does everything with a purpose? Everything in your life, even if you don't understand it. Lord, I don't understand why I'm going through this. I want you to know something. Number one, you were, you were born, number one, to be saved, to receive this Messiah, this Jesus, and then to grow and mature in him to become the sons of God. If we would just, if the whole object of, of, of our life is just to be saved, then what we're going through now would be, would be senseless. But God said, I'm raising you up as sons. In other words, let me tell you this. You, the resistance 
and the troubles in your life will build character in you if you yield it to the Lord. Either you become bitter or you build it into character and say, Lord, whatever it takes, Lord God, that I will grow in you. Whatever it is, the Bible says that there is no thing that will come, come to you that God will not make a way of escape. In other words, when trouble comes, God will. But I want you to know this. If you, if you take the way of escape, it's the test that will come back around again. It is when we say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And Lord, if this is what you want me or, or, or allow me to go through, I trust you in it. I trust you, Lord. When I had two grandchildren that passed, I mean, you know, you're sitting there and, 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 and you, you want to see them healed. and You want to see them raised again. And, 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 but I know this one thing. We did not lose two grandchildren. They're in heaven waiting for us. Amen. I was listening to a testimony of a man that was a very hard man. In fact, the woman went to a counselor and the counselor said, you are married to a caveman. Leave him. Get out of there. And she said, but she didn't feel to do that. She kept praying and praying and praying. And they had a son together. And one day the son got very sick. And dad was sitting by the son. And he was not a, a kind man by any means. And then he said, while he sat by the sick child, he had a revelation. And God took him into heaven and showed him the wonderful grandeur of what was ahead for those who believed in God. He never doubted again. His character changed and and she said that when her when he, that child died, he knew that that child was with the Lord, and he had a peace about him. And his wife said he was miraculously changed. How many know we need the Holy Ghost in the church today to change people? I think of A.W. Tozer. He said that one of his hobbies, even as a Christian, was to read, uh, you know, philosophy. And he said, and I'm going to tell you, there's some. Uh, uh, philosophers that I read, he said that if I had been talked into this religion, they could have talked me out of it. He said, but when I would read it and didn't understand, he said, I would get on my knees and say, thank you, Lord, that you're my Savior. Why? Because I'm born again in the Spirit of the Lord, and there's nothing that can take me out of that body because I know that I know that I am. I've shared with you before that many, many years ago, I had only been saved about six months. I had a real zeal, and I don't ever want to lose that. But I was up at the state prison, and I wanted to go in there and tell all the people about Jesus. Amen? I want to tell everybody about Jesus. And I'm sitting there waiting to see the, the chaplain. And there was another young man there, and... And he said to me, he said, well, uh, are you saved? He said, are you Pentecostal? I said, yes, I am. It excited me a little bit more. And, and he said, so am I. He said, will you baptize? I said, well, it's December and I just got saved and, and I'll be baptized as soon as the water is warm enough to do that. And he looked at me and said, you're not saved. But let me tell you something. I wasn't talked into this. It was a spiritual awakening in my life. You couldn't even convince me that I wasn't saved because I'm saved and I know that I am. I'm saved and I know that I am. Amen. I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. In Luke, 
1.31. The name Jesus is a name that has been exalted by the Father. In Luke one thirty one, it says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In Isaiah 7.14, We have to realize it, which produced a child without sin. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. First Peter 2 and 22. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. Number one, he couldn't sin because he was God. The Bible said that he was tempted as all men. The Bible said he hungered. Remember, he saw a fig tree afar off, and he was hungry. It's kind of of like looking at seeing a McDonald's sign. And you get all giddy inside, and I'm hungry, and I'm ready. And you get there, and and there's a clothes sign on the door. Well, that's how that fig tree was. And the Bible says that Jesus looked at that fig tree and said, You shall produce fruit no more, but you shall be with it from the root. Now, we know that that's speaking of Israel, uh, symbolically of Israel. But he said, but the Bible also says, when that fig tree buds again, that generation shall not pass, but come under the wrath of God. And I'm going to tell you this right now. We are close to the end of 1948. What was the fig tree? The fig tree was Israel. But getting back here, he said that he knew no sin, nor was guile found in his mouth <coughs> he came to re- uh, to reveal a supernatural battle that's what the church needs to see we are in a supernatural battle it's not just coming with our little white gloves and and saying a few words and leaving and saying my wasn't that nice we are the army of God. We are the power extended from heaven. The Bible said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. God said, I'll honor whatever it is that you do if it's according to my will. A boldness. You know, you know Paul said this. He said, pray that I have the boldness that I ought to have. You know, we need to get the boldness of God. That when we go out on the street, we call that which is not as though it was. I've seen that over and over and over. I've seen the miracles of God. I've seen the miracles of God. And I'm going to tell you what. He's a miracle-working God. I don't know what I would do without the Holy Ghost in me. Because I'm going to tell you, when you go out with the Holy Ghost and you begin like Peter, say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. Oh, brother, you're getting carried away here. You know, we're just church folk. I want you to know something. We've lost the sense of who he is. We've lost the reason that he came. 
not only to save your soul, but also he reveals a supernatural battle. Why would God enter this world? He came to fight a battle that humanity could never wage or win. He came to battle with Satan and with sin. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, he said, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to wrestle, uh, to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers, against rulers, against darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I've heard Christians get angry with, with politicians and, and some even going to the place of praying against them. I'm going to tell you, that's never the Lord. We are not fighting against politicians. We're fighting against demons that influence them. They're but sheep. They're not to be feared. But we need to understand the church needs the power. We can, we, we can uh, elect anybody we want into office, but that person without the church can do nothing. The power is in the church. I don't mean to be a, a broken record, but we're the ones that have to stretch forth our hand and trust the Lord. In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning was the word. In Revelation 22, we see the Lord. We see the miraculous of the government of God, the eternal government. You know something? When you look at Genesis 1-1, you see the miraculous. He said, he spoke and it was. You look at Genesis, you look at Revelation 22, and you see nothing but the miraculous. I'm going to tell you that every single page of this Bible is nothing but the miraculous of God and what God can do and what He will do with those who believe. We talked about the word believe, and the word believe is the word pistis. It is the same word as faith. In other words, wherever you see the word belief, you can translate it to faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. We need to believe on Jesus Christ. In 1 Samuel 17, 47, he said, And all this, all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Isn't that wonderful from David? It's not with spear. It's not with sword. But the Lord himself will deliver you unto our hand. Does the church stand in that bold and strong today? Or are we in the corner biting our nails, wondering when God has put the power in the church? I believe the reason why the church went after the Republican Party so hard is because the church has lost its identity to know who it is. Because it's the church that needs to be out there standing in the power of God. Now, how do we do that? We do that by proclaiming the power of Jesus Christ, by praying and believing that God has overcome the devil. He has overcome the devil. We also know that in his name speaks of his desire. In John three sixteen uh, through 18, it said, uh, uh, This was not the desire, but the heartbeat of God. Let me go there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, that world there is not terra firma. God's not going to love some object that 
can't love him back. But he loves the people. God loves you. And God loves me. And the thing that we need to realize is his motive is his love. And I'm going to tell you what, his love is not earned, it's his choice. I've had couples come to me and say, well, you know, Pastor, we fell out of love. And I'd say, what, what, was that a tree you was up in? Love is a choice. It's a choice that will take you through the hardship. It's the choice when you have two wills living in the house to say, I choose to love. That's what real love is. Agape love. It is a love that we choose, and I'm afraid in the world we've really misunderstood the type of love that it takes to keep a marriage together. It takes a commitment. It takes a life. My wife and I, 40 years in May. And you know, sometimes we had to choose to love one another because we have separate wills. And, and we have to say, you know what, uh, uh, Lord God, but yet we, I want to tell you that when you will to love somebody, the feelings will come back. But we don't go by feelings. We, bo- we go by commitment. How many know that Jesus is committed to you? He's committed to you. And we need to learn how God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth, there's the word pistis again, or, or whosoever hath faith in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, I want to look at the word condemnation. You know, there's two C's in the Bible that stick out to me. One is condemnation and the other is conviction. Conviction's always good. You know, when I get convicted, we know, you know what I hear when I get convicted? He said, I love you, Bob. Because he said, I chasten them in whom I love. The word chasten means he'll give you a spanking. (laughs) And and we need to understand that sometimes we need a spanking. I'm talking spiritually. And we need correction that only comes from the Father above. And then in verse 18 he says, He that believeth, or he that hath faith on him, is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I believe. I believe. I believe in the mission of Jesus. I believe why he came. I believe that he redeemed me from the sins. I believe that he stays with me. I believe that he has awakened me to the, to, to the battle that is in the world. Now, we say, why didn't, he, why didn't he just take care of you? You know, God, with his one hand, the Bible said the earth is his footstool. With his one hand, he could crush the enemy in just a moment. And we know that in Revelation, he's going to do that. He's going to bind him up and throw him into the pit but why has he not done that i'll tell you why because he wants to make us sons he wants us to fight he wants to teach us how to fight amen and 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 we can say well i don't know why the devil you know how many of how many of you you get saved and you prayed this prayer i have lord give me a spiritual lobotomy Make me like a dummy. I'm going to shake everybody's hand and everything's wonderful and I can't sin anymore. 
Oh, thank God for what he's done. God says, I don't give spiritual lobotomies. I raise sons. And sons are those who will be, who is willing to go through the difficult time, the hard times, the impossible time, but they believe in me. I know that the Lord is going to do it again. Hallelujah. First Peter. 118 through 20, it says, it says, for as much as uh, ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver or gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. What you've got to realize is that when they, when they in heaven said, let us make man in our image, Jesus had already said, I will pay the price. He, they knew that Adam would sin. Now that might boggle your mind, but I'm going to tell you something. Uh, God so desires sons that choose to serve him of their own will, mind you. That's what he's looking for. That you, Bob, would serve me with your own mind, your own soul, your own will, that you'll keep putting one foot in front of another, that you will not cave, that you will be like that tree planted by the water. 30 years this spring in April that I've been here. Through thick and thin, through small groups and big groups, through weather and through storms, and through so many things. But I have to stand. I woke up this morning pretty heavy-hearted. Last week, I want you to know, I was ready to run. But this morning I woke up and said, "Ah." but you know, we don't go by emotion. We have to be, we have to be steadfast. We have to be unmovable. We have to be faithful. From the foundations of the world, it was foreordained. His birth speaks of his deliverance, of our deliverance. For in the name of Jesus, it reminds us, in Luke 4, 18, he came for the redemption of the lost. The Spirit of the Lord was upon me because he anointed me. Can you imagine? He anointed me. See, I feel the Spirit on me today. Every time I get ready to get behind this sacred desk, I feel like Clark Kent is supposed to be Superman. And sometimes after the great anointing, I think of one pastor, and he preached on Jezebel. He just got a spirit of the Lord. He preached on Jezebel, and it was the power that he hadn't experienced in a long time. The next morning, the phone rang, and his wife answered the phone, and he said, Who is it, honey? He said, It's Jezebel. (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) I wanted to deal with her yesterday, not today. 
you know, but what we need to understand is the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and to recover the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them uh, who are bruised. How many know that he's given that to each and every one of us as well? In Titus 2, 13 and 14, he said, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that we might that he might redeem us from all iniquity and to purify unto himself a peculiar people uh, to zealous, uh, uh, zealous of good works. A peculiar, you know what the word peculiar means? Oddballs. You know what the thing about Christians? They want to come into the church and be normal. There's nothing normal about being a Christian. I've told you before about General Booth. The Salvation Army is with us even to this day because he convinced his congregation to take musical instruments and to go out there on the street and begin to make a noise as unto the Lord. And to this very day, the organization that he founded through his faith in God is still around today and doing good works. He's made us a peculiar people. Zealous of good works. Lord Jesus... You change my heart. You make me. You make it so that I am concerned for those that are broken and those that are hurting. I think a lot of Christians today they don't have. A, they're not zealous for good works because they really don't know the redeemer that sent that was that was sent to them. We need to know him. Lord God, let me fall in love with you. How can we know the Father? Know Jesus? He said, "I and the Father are one." How can we know God? Through the power of the Holy Ghost, for he has come to teach us all things. Titus 2, 13 and 14, I just read, I'll read it again. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. Now, you know, the word redeem there. No, we find that word very common in our modern day when it comes to tin cans and bottles, you know, redemption. We shall be redeemed. We shall be redeemed when we go before him. They're going to be, he's going to take this body and he's going to give something beautiful for what is old. I have a new name and a new body when I get to heaven. You know, people, they take drugs because they want to, to, to alter their, 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 um, their inner feelings. I want you to know something. If you want to alter your inner feelings, come to the Holy Ghost. Get intoxicated with God. Remember in the book of Acts when they were all uh, speaking in other languages and, and, and the people said, These men are drunk! And Peter said, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I don't understand that one. 
But he says, they're not drunk as ye suppose, but they are filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you, we should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. You know, we ought to be work up. I'm marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. I'm marching upward to Zion, that beautiful city of God. Thank you, Lord. I think of Hebrews 9 and 28. Jesus came that he might die on the cross. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look upon him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Do you know in the uh, the remedy uh, for the people of Israel that were led out of bondage into uh, the wilderness because of the lack of faith. They they dwelt there 40 years. They were bitten by poisonous snakes. And and what happened was, as Moses prayed and God said, take up a, take a serpent and put it upon a pole. And all they that look upon that serpent shall be healed. I'm going to tell you, today on an ambulance, if they still do that, they have that snake on a pole. And it represents the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And the fact that if we will look to the crucifixion of Jesus, if we'll look to the remedy that only God can give us, is to say, Lord, I look upon you because it is for the healing from the infectious, infectious diseases that are in this world. You see, the children of God shouldn't fear the disease. The Bible then last day, there'll be pestilence. Now the, the World Health Organization is, 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 is threatening us with another disease. They're, they're, they're created in labs, and, and they're used uh, uh, against the people of God to make this reset, you know, in order to, to take over this world. The devil knows what he's doing, but I'm going to tell you something. He could do nothing that God doesn't allow. We need to trust the Lord. In Galatians 4 and 1, for us who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God the Father. Did he what? He would deliver us from this present evil world. What we need to realize, if we have the ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, he will share with us and help us to escape many of the things the devil would want to bring to bring harm to your family and to your body. In fact, he said to Israel, that, uh, three and a half years into the, the tribulation, he said, if you're on the rooftop, do not come down, but go into the mountains of Jordan, and I'll hide you there. He even has a, prov- uh, a provision for the, them in the, in the middle of the tribulation. How many know that he has a provision for you? Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith or or the belief of the Son of God, who loveth me and gave himself for me, Lord God, I believe. How many of you believe that Jesus saves? How many of you believe that Jesus also can keep? And that's the thing you've got to understand. Because the devil will lie to you. 
And if you think you're greater than Elijah, who said, I just kill me, Lord, I don't have any confidence in this flesh. Because in this flesh, my father's all denied you, and surely I will. But aren't you glad that God preserved Elijah, even though he had a low opinion of himself? And what I love about Elijah is Elijah, though he never finished his mission. In fact, Elisha was raised up to finish it because of his depression and and his low uh, self-esteem and and his low image. That God came and took him up in a a chariot. Isn't that something? And then Moses also never finished his, his assignment because he struck the rock when he was told to speak to it. But what do we see in the Mount of Transfiguration? Think about it. Two men that never completed their assignment. And when Jesus takes Peter, John, and James uh, out and they look up, and who is in the heavens with Jesus but Elijah and Moses? The two that never finished their assignment is now included. You know why? Because Jesus wants you to know that he loves you. He loves you more than your assignment. I believe that when we go to heaven, they're going to, we're going to shed tears. The Bible said it is, uh, we die and then we go for the judgment. Or we're resurrected and we go to the judgment of God. Now, God's not going to judge us for sin because he has a remedy. He's already paid the price for sin. But his judgment will be for the things that we could have done that we didn't do because of whatever the obstacles were that hindered us from all the things that we could have achieved if we'd only believed. But the Bible said that he, after the judgment, will wipe away our every tear. And he'll be thrown out, never to be remembered again. I want you to know something. God has given us an opportunity. What a wonderful opportunity to live with Jesus. His name shall be called. You know, I think of, uh, he is... uh, Jesus, he is, he is the supernatural one. Miracles, supernatural, extraordinary. In Judges 13 and 18, it says, And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret? He is the miracle worker. Let's get down to John 21, 25. He said, And there... And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which they should, uh, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the book that should be written about the thing. I'm telling you why he did more than we could ever imagine. We read the Gospels and we think that's all. Let me tell you, John said, it, the, it, that if, the, if it had been all written down, the world couldn't have even carried the load of the pages that it would take to write all the miracles that Jesus did. I want you to know something. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many believe that? Huh? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means the miracles that he did yesterday, he will do today. He isn't always the same. The thing that we have done is we've tried to secularize this gospel and has caused the church to wander from the power that God has meant for the church to have. Satan is a thief. 
He will try to remind you of all of your weaknesses. He will try to remind you uh, that you're but flesh. He'll, he'll remind you of, of everything you've ever done wrong because that's what he does. He's an accuser of the brethren. And he'll do anything to cripple you and to cripple your mind from receiving this gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he knows that if you would believe this word, you would rise up. And you would speak to the winds. And you would say, devil, in my house you won't have your way. Lord, I come against those demons that hinder my children. Lord God, I ask you, Lord God, to bring deliverance to those in my household. Even the casting out of devils. You know, we think of, uh, of somebody that ha- needs, needs deliverance as, as some weird person. I believe there are people in the church that need deliverance. If you have a sin in your life that, is, that just continues to prevail and maybe over years. I think of one leading evangelist. He says, since I was a child, I had this problem. He needed deliverance. We may need deliverance many times. Let's not be proud. Let's be humble. Let us go before the Lord and say, Lord, uh, here's Bob. You know, Lord, I have an issue. I have a problem. You ask me, well, what is it? I said, none of your business. I give that to the Lord. But what we have to understand and realize in that is we bring that to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your help. I need deliverance. And maybe it will be deliverance. Maybe there's something that hinders you. I don't believe that a a Christian could be demon-possessed, but I believe that a Christian could be demon-oppressed. In other words, that the demons torment you. They torment you in something. They lure you into something. And all of a sudden, you go two or three months, and you're thinking, "Woohoo! I've done it. And all of a sudden, like a lead ball, it just comes right back down on you. And you're saying, Lord, I just need, I need your intervention in my life. I want you to know that God is here today to do that. He's here to say to you that I can deliver you. He said, with my little finger do I cast out devil. Let me ask you a question. Sitting in your car, maybe you're eating a cookie. You know, we Americans, we do a lot of things while we're driving. <laughs> maybe uh, we got a big burger sitting up on the dash. You know, we're looking over that while we're driving. And we got the fries in our lap and, and, and hopefully not the hot coffee. But, but the thing that we do sometimes when we're driving. But maybe you're driving and you're eating something that's got really crummy. It, and it gets all over you. And you look down. Oh, my goodness. What do you do? What finger do you use? He said, with my little finger. I cast out devils. Because he sees them like crumbs. He sees them in in such a weak sort that they are. And as the church, we've got to have the power. And how does it come? It comes through commitment. It comes through holiness. Friday night, we asked a question among the students, and I said, well, i ask you a question. Uh, if you were to think about 
the church losing its power? What, what do you think would be the reason? And a few different answers, but really it boiled down to a life of holiness. Why do you think the devil wants you to sin? He wants you to sin to get you out of the, of, of the element of power so that he could accuse you and so that he can shame you. But God wants you to live in his holiness. And I'm going to tell you this, we can do that. I've heard someone tell me one time, now I've got to end here, but, but said, you know, God doesn't expect us to live like that. Well, I want you to know something. Paul said, that that I wish do, do not, that I wish not that I do. I remember one man came to me. He said, see, that means we have no choice. I said, have you ever read Romans 8? The Bible said in Romans 8, it said, if I walk in the Spirit, I'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We need to get into the Spirit. How do we get into the Spirit? Through His Word. Through the Lord. Through, you know, when you have an a, a, a ill feeling, get into the Word of God. Say, Lord, lead me in your Word. But He is the supernatural one. Amen. He's the supernatural one. He is the, uh, the, the supervising one. He advises us. He keeps us. In Psalms 37, 23, said, The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. I was in the military, so I understand what cadence is. Cadence is when they say, you're left, you're left, you're, you're military left, you're left, you're right, you're left, you're right, you're left, you're right, you're left. And you would get up and you would begin, and you had a, a sergeant or somebody that would call the cadence, and he might say, left, flank. And you would go left and right, you know what I mean? And you would go like that all day long. You didn't know where you were going, but you could hear, and the cadence was called. I'm going to tell you, Jesus is calling cadence today. And when we don't have an ear to hear him, we get lost. In Job 23.10, he said, He is the giver of grace, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. What does that mean, tried? You know, the Bible said everything's made of hay, wood, and stubble is going to burn up, but only that which is pure shall remain. Tried means that I've gone through this life. I've fought battles that I never thought were even winnable. I've watched God do miracle, miracle after miracle. I've seen him move by his hand. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. You can know him that way. 2 Corinthians 2, 9, it says this, that, uh, you know, he's the worker of wonders. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities than in the power of Christ, that the power of Christ might rest upon me. In other words, what he's saying there is that I am weak, but he is strong. If you look at your weakness, and I, I've got a lot more, so I've got to end here because I, I wrote a book, I think. But what we realize in this is that when we look at our weaknesses, it can cause us to plummet. But Paul said, in my weakness, I found his strength. In my weakness. So we realize that it's not us, but it's Christ that's in us that will hit the mark of Jesus Christ.
our Lord. And uh, say Romans 8, 28, it said, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Second Corinthians 4 and 17, For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, worketh for us uh, uh, a far more exceeding and eternal weight in glory. And I can get into uh, the sovereign uh, of his name, but I'm going to end right there. But I hope through this that you will know just a little bit more about who he is. He is the king of kings. We sing about that. We sing our doctrine. He's the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's the great I am. And I'm going to tell you this right now. You can know him and you can walk with him. Being affiliated with me is not what gets you to heaven. It's being affiliated with him. Not, not to say that I, I, I'm not glad you're affiliated with me. But what I am saying is, is that it's, it's, it's knowing him. And how do we know him in our closet, wherever we are, when we're driving to work? We begin to talk to him. We ask him for his precious Holy Spirit. We ask him to fill us with the Holy Ghost and with power. We ask him for that new heavenly language that we may be, begin to pray in that language. Begin to give him the glory and give him the praise. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you, Lord. I want you to know this morning, you, you can know him. You can know him. You don't, you, you don't need... church affiliation though that is important the bible said for satan not the assembly of yourself together especially as you know there are many the custom of doing that he said especially if you see the evil days approaching would you come down i'd like to like to pray If, you, if, you, if you've been weighed down with insecurity, if you've been in a place where the devil has been beating on you and lying to you, maybe you've even said like Elijah, I don't know as I'll ever be able to do it. My fathers never did. I want you to know that God this morning is faithful. We can know him. I want you to know, Paul said, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able. If you feel uh, an urge to come, I don't even want to say, bow your head. If you want to come, come find a place for a few minutes and just begin to pray and say, Lord, here am I. You do the work in me that only you can do. I want to invite anybody to come. If you want me to pray with you, I can do that as well. But I never want to end a service without giving opportunity for people to come and just say, Lord, here am I. Here am I, Lord. Lord, I need you this morning like I never have before. You may have said, you know something, I've, I've really been down. I've let troubles in this world add a weight to me. I want to pray with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to pray with my sister here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And for all you out on YouTube, I'm going to...
going to say goodbye. And thank you, Lord. I want to pray with you because you know the Lord.